Welcome to CII Podcasts. Hello everyone. This is Tarushree Banerjee from CII and I'll be hosting this episode for you. Welcome to another interesting episode of CII Podcasts and today's topic for discussion is transforming India's indirect taxation system 5 years of the goods and services tax. The goods and services tax or GST was implemented in India on 1st July 2017 after decades of deliberations amid critical socio-economic and political challenges the comprehensive multi-stage value added tax on goods and services was first mooted in the year 2000 it was conceptualized as a destination based tax system based on the consumption of goods and services with the aim to curb the cascading effect of other indirect taxes and subsume 17 central and state taxes into a single tax system ci welcomed the introduction of gst and handheld industry in the smooth transition to the new tax regime by organizing multiple nationwide conferences seminars webinars and interactive sessions with senior central board of indirect taxes and customs officers along with tax experts over 100 day long sessions and master classes and more than 15 numbers 2 to 3 day long gst training programs were organized for the industry apart from providing help the services to the members to clear their doubts on a real time basis ci also launched a live program tax clinic for one month on a popular tv channel to help and educate the taxpayers about the new tax provisions as gst completes 5 years on the 1st of july 2022 Let's take a look at the GST journey through the years. Today, we have with us Mr. Bipin Sapra, a senior tax professional from the industry. Bipin is a partner in Ernst and Young's Indian Indirect Tax Practice in Technology, Media and Telecom business units. Prior to joining Ernst and Young, Bipin was an additional commissioner with the Department of Revenue, Ministry of Finance, Government of India and served in the role for over 15 years. Over a vast timeline of his career, Bipin has effectively managed a broad range of indirect taxation matters which include GST advisory and compliance management, policy analysis and advocacy, technology and robotics driven solutions for GST and credit efficiency and a lot more. Thanks for being with us today, Bipin. Happy to have you with us. Thank you, Tanushree. Um, thanks a lot. Uh, it's a real pleasure and privilege to be here, out here, talking to you, especially about GST, uh, something which is very close to my heart. Great. So we look forward to hear a lot of things today in this podcast from you, uh, Bipin. Uh, so let me begin. As you know, GST was conceptualized way back in the year two thousand, and a special task force was constituted to draft the provisions. The new tax regime was introduced on 1st of July 2017 after extensive brainstorming and consultations. Nationwide change of this magnitude was transited overnight smoothly. As a tax practitioner, how was the transition for you? Were you able to plan it in advance to ensure a seamless transition along with all your clients across sectors? Tanushree, it's very interesting that uh, GST has been a, a landmark change in uh, not only the history of uh, Indian indirect tax system, but for any professional who has been out there, uh, who's been working in the last ten uh, to twenty years, and I have been in this field for the last thirty years, so uh, it, it was a very exciting time for us. And we have watched since the first time GST was talked about uh, in two thousand nine, ten, 
to actually uh, when it finally got implemented in 2017. Uh, we have had various sessions with the industry uh, and the law also evolved over the period of time. There was lots of advocacy which was being done at that point of time to understand the law, to understand how the law will evolve. And we watched closely as uh, drafts were put up on the uh, website, uh, the, uh, the CBIC, uh, the GST uh, website. And we were very ready with uh, whatever was supposed to be done. We were uh, talking to the industry, we were talking to uh, CII and uh, working through CII uh, with the industry members, going along with CII with, uh, to various, for various uh, advocacies. So it has been. Uh, uh, we were as prepared as we could be uh, and the law kept on evolving uh, as we moved towards 2017. So we, to answer your question in one single sentence, yes, we were prepared mentally, physically, but the law was uh, uh, really quite dynamic and continues to be so. Thank you, Vipin. I'm surely like the extent of preparedness, uh, what actually we could see from the industry and credit goes to you and your team i'm sure like you have prepped them up so much before it actually came into place so as we see that gst has brought the concept of one nation one tax earlier many tax labs were administered by the respective states even on a similar product the desired objective has been achieved by keeping one tax lab for a product throughout the country the hassles of form c have also been done away with since you are dealing with the compliances of all sorts across sectors, it may be more convenient for the trade to supply the good across the states with one tax rate. What has been your experience like? Tanushi, what has happened is that in the earlier regime, there was a central excise tax, uh, which had a uniform uh, tax rates uh, on goods. And then there were uh, VAT rates across the states, which also culminated into CST rates uh, as we went along. Uh, so there were multiple rates, as you rightly said. It was a very complex structure and then there was the hassles of getting form C's for the stock transfers and uh, getting benefits under the interstate CST uh, uh, benefits. After the introduction of GST, all that has gone away. The GST uh, has brought in uniform tax rates. There is no doubt about it. Uh, it's really very uh, streamlined. When we plan taxes for uh, companies across the states, we do not have to take into consideration what the rates would be in various states. It's a huge, huge change. Uh, it not only brings in uh, uniformity, it brings in certainty also for the industry. And any industry who's coming here and investing to set up plants here, I have seen that when they set up their distribution uh, systems, there have been the simplification which the GST has brought in has been tremendous. I can understand that. Now, with this introduction of GST, barriers at state borders were removed and seamless flow of goods across states is now possible. It has been helpful in reduction of transportation and logistic cost, resulting in increased ease of doing business. What are your views on this great relief to the interstate trade? As you may have observed, reduction of time and cost in supply of goods across states. So Tanushri, I do not have the exact numbers, but the average uh, distance which the goods today or the average distance a truck moves to a, today in one day is substantially higher as compared to what it was earlier. What that means is that uh, 
one the goods are moving much more seamlessly the barriers have gone away and the government has continued to make those efforts to create a seamless one market one nation one market one tax system to explain the what changes have been brought in uh, the barriers have been done away with we have e-way bills which effectively once you have those e-way bills created at the time of uh, removal of goods you can get them verified at any point any stage so uh, there is no need for check posts everything can be verified uh, uh, online we have now coupled with that the e-invoice system which is uh, again a seamless system so the checks the physical checks which were required earlier have been broken away with and because of that when over the highways also we don't see trucks the uh, queues of trucks uh, standing at a particular checkpoint and that has been a great change which this uh, gst has brought in and a great benefit to the entire industry and the transportation sector absolutely in fact now while uh, you know put uh, towards the compliance part of gst you know so as we all know that gst compliance and filing gst returns have been simplified to a great extent with auto population of data is filing or returns and compliance much easier now or is there still some scope of further simplification see what you have to realize is that uh, gst has brought in online filing of returns it's a, it's a huge change uh, the way we used to work earlier earlier the data a consolidated return was being filed but now invoice wise data is being filed and that is something which which has brought in a very different level of compliances in the hands of taxpayers but a very different level of uh, information in the hands of the governments also so we file uh, two broad returns in gst apart from the annual returns which we file there's the return for the, uh, when we file the invoice level details and then there is the uh, second return which was which is filed for which calculates the liability auto population happens one the auto population happens today because of uh, what liability comes in from the gstr1 the invoice level details and from also from the credits which are available uh, uh, to the uh, to the taxpayer these can obviously be edited and are edited uh, depending upon uh, what the real liabilities are but this auto population helps a lot however the laws and compliance still requires reconciliations between uh, the invoice level details or the credits which are being claimed by the the taxpayer and the invoice level details which are being filed by the the vendors now that reconciliation still continues to be a tedious one because there there are a lot of mismatches which happen because the very nature of data entry creates some of those mismatches so a lot of credit is still getting stuck up uh, where it should not be without the intention sometimes of the vendor and uh, the intention of the uh, the taxpayer those are simplifications which the taxpayers still looks at that can there be a seamless flow of credit once the uh, vendor files their returns can the credit come in fully uh, gets auto populated in their system uh, in terms of the availability and can that be the basis on which they can take credit the year end returns again uh, an opportunity to uh, consolidate uh, those monthly returns and the reconciliation with the financials still continues to be a tedious one though no longer auditor certificate is required 
but the responsibility still rests with the industry to give the correct details. So while simplifications have happened in the last five years, there's still a lot of scope for the return to get simple and the government to ask for uh, simpler data, which would help at least the MSMEs to comply with in a much better and much more efficient way. Correct. So, you know, talking about compliance, as uh, we all know that GST compliance is a faceless process. Does it simplify things for you? You know, what has been your experience with this digital and faceless compliance? When you say faceless compliance, you mean that uh, uh, the return which is being filed, uh, you do not have to physically go there, uh, go to the department to file the returns and uh, have an interaction with the officer. I think it's a tremendous thing which has happened and uh, that takes away a lot of uh, effort and transaction costs which used to uh, come in uh, to physically go and file a return. Online filing of returns, online uh, filing of refunds, reconciliations, getting uh, show cause notices uh, online, getting uh, refunds online, getting them auto uh, credited into your uh, bank account. It has been a very different experience for the taxpayer. It has taken some time to really reach this level. And there are uh, there, there has been inertia both from the side of industry and on the side of government. But I think we have reached a point where uh, this system is working quite seamlessly. Some, some uh, issues still continue, but I think the system is working quite well. Bipin, we heard processes, we heard compliances. Now I would like to, you know, know from you the the real bloodline of industry, the cash flows. You know, so GST portal has been linked with the customs portal and banks for free flow of input tax credit of IGST paid and the refunds. Has it helped to reduce the delay in the credits of refunds and credits of IGST paid on imports? See, when we talk about the cash flows and the IGST is only one part of uh, uh, the cash flow. But speaking about the cash flow, it has taken some time for the IGST uh, uh, refunds to uh, get linked, the customs total to be linked with the GSTN. For simpler refunds, it's uh, quite a simple process. The bill of entries get filed and on the basis of that, whatever returns are being processed, whatever refunds are being processed, uh, they get processed uh, quite seamlessly. However, the moment there is a complexity uh, where changes are required, we have seen where multiple agencies get involved. Uh, there have been times when this portal, when the portal works perfect, the human element of that uh, comes in and uh, multiple agencies uh, come in and the responsibility who has to update these portals, that comes in. So, they still work in progress, I think, uh, but we are at a place where most of the refunds do come on time and the cash flows uh, work quite well. There is a common bucket and seamless flow of uh, input tax credit as compared to earlier multi-tax credits, as they say, making it easier to manage and utilize it. How do you think it has helped with utilizations and unblocking of working capital and your experience on this? Yeah, see, I think the credits are the backbone of the entire GST system, like they were the backbone of the uh, VAT, service tax and excises earlier. The credit system in GST, while it's seamless, is still quite complex. We have over the face of it one tax, GST, 
but uh, underneath we have uh, a number of taxes we have central gst we have individual state gsts and then igst so company will have registrations across uh, india will have pools of credit at each locations which will be central gst for that location state gst of that uh, state and igst of that location and so suppose a company has 30 uh, registrations there would be 30 uh, such pools so around 90 pools of credit which would be out there and they are not fungible you can't use one pool against the other hence while there might be a lot of credit available in different pools might still uh, uh, the company might still be paying in cash in other locations so cash flow gets hit there and that's an issue which uh, multiple uh, credits uh, or multiple uh, gst types has created it's seamless to a level but uh, beyond the point uh, where actually uh, you consider each entity uh, or each state uh, loca- uh, ent- uh, location as a different entity from a, a gst registration point of view the credit gets fractured and there are huge cash flow issues which we are seeing across companies because credit remains accumulated in locations because of certain reasons maybe because the procurements are taking place in certain regions um maybe certain processes are taking place but the output liabilities do not happen in that bigger quantity in those regions and accordingly uh, gst uh, uh, credits get accumulated in uh, places hence we have improved we have reached a point where uh, uh, cash flow uh, is better yet i think the industry looks at a solution by which these credit uh, uh, accumulations can be done away with that's the first part of uh, 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 my comments on uh, uh, the cash flow because of credits the second is that there are a number of credits which number of input costs which should be available as credits are not available as credits and that's that's a huge number as we go forward section 175 of the cgst act disallows credits to a number of uh, things like employee costs uh, rent a cab for construction of uh, immovable property a lot of costs uh, which are there which should otherwise which are pure business costs and which should be available as credits and some of which were available as credits in earlier regimes do not find mention out here and are debarred from taking credits and that's a cash flow issue which gets uh, uh which hurts the uh, industry the third thing very quickly uh uh namaste uh, a lot of credit is dependent upon the uh reconciliations which the uh, which are being done by the uh, on the basis of what the vendors upload and what the uh the taxpayer sees in its system so while the taxpayer may be making the payments to the vendors for the goods and services which they have bought yet the vendors uh, may not have uploaded those returns or even if they have uploaded the returns because of mismatches that credit is not available with the taxpayer hence there would be cash uh, management issues uh, working capital issues which would come in 
so these are the three broad areas under the credit uh, levels uh, under the credits of gst where there are issues from a, a working capital management which need to be resolved as we go forward thank you bipin the way you explained the detailing that you spoke about and the way you elaborated i'm sure the audience listening to this podcast are really going to cherish it with this i come to the last question of this podcast uh, to you the state governments provide fiscal incentives to the industry for setting up of new plants such steps not only give impetus to the economic development of the country but also lead to an increase in direct and indirect employment opportunities we know that gst is a consumption based tax do you think gst had any impact on such incentive schemes when the gst was being introduced uh, we had feared that this would be one casualty which would happen it's a very interesting debate between fiscal autonomy and uh, uh, one nation one tax uh, which we uh, profess uh, the state governments have uh, always uh, uh, talked about uh, uh, and have fought for their fiscal autonomy um, as we uh, discuss gst and the gst related issues uh, and most of them have to effectively give up their fiscal autonomy to be part of the system which is beneficial to all and has the best payouts for uh, everyone else i think we are in a mature mature federation and uh, uh, all of the states realize that coming to the part of the state incentives most of the state incentives earlier arose from giving benefits of the vat collected by the uh, uh, states the vat which was being collected was either refunded back fully partially or waived off depending upon uh, state to state the level of uh, incentive which uh, the state wanted to give to a particular manufacturer service provider so the flexibility which was in the hands of uh, uh, states was much higher today the same can be said that sgst or the state gst pool still lies with the state and that can be used for the similar purpose is being used for similar purpose though we do not see as many schemes coming forward uh, using the sgst uh, or uh, working in a similar way given that all processes all refunds work through a similar law uh, which has been created uh, by the uh, gst council and accordingly uh, that is the basis on which um, uh the these incentives work these incentives have taken a different form while uh, which where uh, uh, gst equivalent or sgst equivalent uh, uh, refunds may be given or benefits may be given so incentives continue their nature has changed and maybe their quantum and the type has also changed as we uh, see today uh and i think uh, the industry realizes that and looks for different types of benefits given that these sgst and cgst continue to be available as seamlessly as credit which vat was uh, a cost uh, once you go out of the state so uh, to conclude uh, on your question uh, uh, tanushri uh, i think the incentives are there uh, it's only maybe a different nature which has come in 
given that uh, SGST has replaced the VAT system. Thank you so much, Bipin, for your time and having such a candid conversation on this important topic as GST turns five on 1st July. Uh, you have, like always, you know, explained things in a layman term. And I'm sure, like anybody listening to this podcast, is going to, you know, not only recapitulate and also, you know, understand GST in a newer perspective. I again thank you, Bipin, for your time. And we look forward to hear you more frequently on this topic. Thank you. Thank you, Tanushri, for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CII Podcasts.